Hey everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Devin the Bear. Um, this is going to be kind of a different one, because there are no fight cards this weekend. So we're just going to be kind of talking some news, talking some matchups that are coming up in the next few months. Um, there are some 1FC cards uh, in the, this week, uh, but it's not going to be this weekend. And by the time this episode comes out, they'll already be done. So we're just going to kind of move past it. Um, as far as MMA news goes, Diego Sanchez has uh, officially professionally split from Josh Fabia. Yep, so uh, he has cut off professional ties with him, so Josh Fabio went on a 50-minute rant, pretty much completely shitting on um, Diego Sanchez, which is very, it was pretty unprofessional, but I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, you know, not to at see all. That he does that. I mean, this guy's a crazy ex-girlfriend, so he's just uh, pretty upset with that, saying that Diego's a... A um, he's bad with his money. He's a fucking. He's an addict. He is. Which the bad with his money thing, I don't understand, because he he says that he's bad with his money, mm-hmm. but then he says he doesn't tip at restaurants. Yeah, and that he has a three thousand dollar car, and then he only has a one bedroom apartment. Wait, he did, wait. So what's his name? Uh, Joshua Fabia was like, oh, Diego doesn't tip his waitresses or waiters. Yeah. He, what the what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> man. He he chalked it up to saying basically, oh well, he doesn't um, tip his waiters. He just pulls like the I'm a big shot celebrity kind of thing. And I, I think was like, he pulls that. I was like, I don't uh, celebrities probably tip. Like I don't know what you're talking about. George but Clooney okay. tips very well. Did you know that? I'll bet. Yeah, George Clooney probably tips and was just like, I don't. I don't know what's a number with a bunch of a few zeros in it. Like yeah. that'll work. He uh like I was talking with an Uber driver about it one time, and we talked about like waiting tables and stuff, and you know past jobs, and yeah, he'll tip like whatever the bill is times two. So if I am ever waiting tables again, I fucking hope George Clooney walks through that door. Somebody yeah, dude, do. just well, also just because it's George Clooney, like I'm like, dude, the ocean. Just follow trilogy? George Clooney around, and then as soon as you see him go into a restaurant, just sneak in and. Sounds wear like, what the servers wear and just pretend. I don't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I would just ta- just wait, George Clooney. But I mean, like the the following him around part. I don't want to follow him around. It's George Clooney. Why not? Because that's called. I want to be a stalker. So you don't know how to make the next Ocean's movie. Moving on, <laughs> Josh Fabia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's good for Diego. I think everybody's kind of happy for Diego. Yeah. But um. No one really knows, like, if he's got something planned or if he's just doing it because he's done with his MMA career, so he doesn't feel the need to have him around. Um, we're all just kind of waiting on an official statement or at least a response from uh, what uh, Josh Fabia said from Diego. So, you know, whatever it is that he has to say, yeah. it's it's... I, I don't think that there's any bad way to look at this. I think it's nothing but good. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, I think uh, Joshua Fabi said he was his sponsor and then completely shits on him. And so whenever you go through AA or, you know, um, whenever you're becoming sober and you have a sponsor, your sponsor is someone you can fight in. There's someone you look up to. And so for him to go out there and be like, I'm his sponsor, and then completely shit on him, it's just like, I don't know, man, the fucking nerve on this guy. Um. I was watching Mike Swick and Matt Sarah actually completely trashed the shit out of him. And it was really funny because Matt Sarah was like, dude, he walked up to me. And I was like, yeah. who, who the fuck is this guy? I saw that like, clip. I'm just eating dinner. And um, 
Yeah, Mike Swick had Joshua Fabia. They talked and stuff, and it was. Um, it, it's like Josh Fabia thinks of himself when he's out on the streets. Yeah. It's like he thinks of himself as like Jamie Kennedy or Ashton Kutcher, and he just runs up there like, "Hey, buddy, you you just got punked." Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? It's like, what? Who? What are you talking about, man? No one knows who you are. Wow, that's disrespectful. You should respect me. And it's like, fuck you, buddy. Honestly, but yeah, now nah, he's just. Um, I'm glad to see him gone, though. Hopefully, Diego gets the help he needs. Hopefully, he's training hard or whatever he's doing. At least he's not having someone hang him upside down with a safe word and punching him in the face. So <laughs> that's always a good yeah, thing. And that being said, I don't. I don't want to see Diego compete. I don't either. If he does grappling, I'd be okay with that. You know, but I don't know, man. If he was to do like a couple submission matches, um, I mean, we'll see. But I think um, whatever he's doing now is definitely, hopefully, going to be the right move for him at the end of the day. Mentally, I hope it's healthy for him because that's what he needs. And then what else happened? Uh, oh yeah, John Jones has officially did. He's not with Ali Devizis as his management anymore. Uh, he was in talks with first round management. Okay. Um, he picked up Richard Schaefer, who was a big. Um, he was a uh, agent for a lot of boxers in Golden Boy promotions. Yeah. So that's what that's where Richard Schaefer comes in, and he, Richard Schaefer actually has a really good relationship with Dana White. So hopefully they can mm. kind of work something out right there. But I hope so too, because now that John Jones said that he's going to wait a year and he's just going to work on himself, uh, and I think he needs to do that because physically, the shape he's in is not. No. Uh, natural heavyweight shape. No. Um. So I think he needs to kind of refine himself at his weight right now um hit about like 250 but get get a lot more lean get it become a lean 250 yeah um and then just the physical comparison between him and francis at that point would would entice a lot more fans to watch that which i think everybody's already excited to watch it but if he comes in looking better than the pictures he's posted because he i mean dude's in phenomenal shape but he's not um He's not the shredded John Jones we're used to seeing. Right. So you're, you're around 250, but you hit that 250 in a lean way, and I think that gets people a lot more excited because that shows you're in better shape because um, you just kind of bloated where he's at right now. Yeah, he's just um, – he's just yeah, exactly. It looks like his belly's sticking out a little bit. We're not yeah. – it's not what you like what you're saying. We're not used to seeing that type of John Jones. But him taking a year off I think is best. I mean um, – just to kind of like focus on things and let's just, just take care of it. He'll be 34 when he comes back. But some of these older, so something, some about these heavyweights, they kind of come in and they just, they get their grown man strength. That's why they stick around for so long. You yeah, know? I mean, you look at Stipe and Daniel. And yeah. These guys were doing it for a long time and they were always dominant. Yeah. Uh, Francis Ngannou is not very young. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in his mid thirties. Yeah. I was about to say he's in his thirties. I know that. So I, I just, I just think it, it's it's only a good thing for John to take a year off, um, focus on himself, and focus on feeling good at heavyweight. Because um, I think looking at the shape that he's in, uh, it being his first fight at that weight, how does he carry himself? How does it affect him when he's fighting? Because the weight that you're at when you're fighting is different than when you're sparring. Exactly. So yeah. if he's trying to carry himself and like lug all that extra weight around in a real fight against someone like Stipe or Francis, it's not going to go well. Yeah. So he's going to have to kind of, like I said, refine that skill set as a heavyweight, refine his conditioning, refine his uh, physique to really be a true heavyweight. 
Um, it was like a, what it makes you think about is like when Gian Volante moved up to heavyweight and he yeah. fought Maurice Green on his return. And they're two completely different body types. But yeah. um, the thing is, when he went up to heavyweight, I mean, even the commentators are like, damn, like he's got a dad bod now. Like, his gut's sticking out and everything. And by the time like that third round came in, like Murray, he lo- was his, or he lost some Murray Screen, but Murray Screen had him in arm triangle, but it didn't even really look like it was in. I think what it was is Gian was just exhausted. And that, that's exactly how I felt about the um, Chris Barnett tapping out to yeah. Ben Rothwell. He was just so exhausted he that any amount of pressure putting on his neck, yeah, just made him want to tap. And like he, uh, I mean, he got hit with a good uppercut right before that, but it was also like he just was out of it and. So I think John Jones just saying, you know what, like I'm gonna just wait a year to do that. But my only thing is though, is like in a year, are they still wanna give you this fight? Are they still gonna want you to fight Francis Ngannou? I mean, yeah. Like I said though, if they if they can put together, as far as like a publicity manager or something, if they could put together some like string of like posts or pictures um, of him getting in better shape. Yeah. People are going to be like putting those pictures of him and Francis side by side, and that alone will hype people up for that fight. So if the general public starts getting like really hyped for a fight, Dana will bend to bend to that because I mean, look at the things he's done that no one asked for. Yeah, like he um, who is that? It reminds me also like you know Israel Adesanya is kind of built the same way as John Jones, tall and linky but strong. Yeah. And whenever he went up to like heavyweight to fight. Um, uh, Jan Blakowicz, you know, he uh, he had said his legs felt really deflated, and so with John, like he's known for his skinny legs and stuff, but uh, he's a strong dude, but he just has chicken legs. He's just the way he's built, and so it's gonna be like, you know, what's it gonna be like fighting these twenty five minute rounds against, you know, full contact, like fighting, and how are your legs gonna feel? I mean, I, you know, these big guys are gonna go in there. That's the first thing you're gonna do. They're gonna chop at your legs. It's always been a thing with John Jones. Is when people fight John Jones, is they want to in- implement leg kicks. You well, know. I, I agree with that, but I think with heavyweight, you you worry about leg kicks a little bit less. Yeah. In heavyweight, yeah, they're they're just trying to get their hands on you for the most part. Shit, Francis was throwing up against Stipe. Yeah, but it's the one guy. Yeah. I, and I I don't mean that to say like oh it's one guy Devin. Yeah. I just mean like that's the one guy. Him and Stipe are about the only ones I would think you'd really have to worry about it from. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's too many other guys in the, in the heavyweight division that'll throw leg kicks Shit, where I'd bro. be like, hey, watch for his leg kicks, man. Fucking Derek Luzor is flying knees. <laughs> Derek Luzor is a wrestler now, man. What are you talking yeah. about? Blue belt. He's a wrestler. So, what's he called? He's he'll take you, do, he'll take you down. I know he would, 100%. <laughs> and I wouldn't even fight it, but you know what? Fuck it. And then, um, oh, yeah, uh, Kevin Holland's training with AKA now on his yeah, wrestling. He's working with Daniel Cormier. Did you watch it, though? Yeah. Daniel Cormier's like, hey, push his head, push his head, push his head. He doesn't even push doesn't his head. doesn't even touch his head, man. Yeah. I'm like, God, man. And so. Um, I mean, he's working on it. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, he's working on it, but it's just like. Well, my thing is, though, is like, okay, you got all the way to the UFC and you never learn these things. It kind of makes me wonder what yeah. um, Travis Luter, his head coach, who, I mean, Travis Luter was the guy at one point. Like, he was. Um, he 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 won the Ultimate Fighter. He was gonna he went in there fight Anderson Silva, lost Anderson while he was on this historic. Yeah, run everybody thought on. that yeah. um, if it went to the ground, he would beat Anderson Silva, and then Anderson Silva got him in a triangle. Yeah, and elbowed so, the crap out of his head. It makes you wonder though, is like what's Travis Luter really doing to um to discipline Kevin Holland? Yeah, and it's like I mean I understand Kevin Holland's almost a third year old man, you but it's like whenever you're going in there, you have to be coachable. You have to be a student whenever you go in there and you learn yeah. from these head coaches. If, if you're not humble, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, 
you 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 can't be coachable if you're not humble. And as a coach, you got to kind of let them know that. Yeah, and I don't think Kevin Holland really cares to be like, hey, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down to be coachable, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just think he's going to go in there. I mean, he's dropping, he wants to drop down to uh, welterweight. That's his goal right now is to get down to welterweight, and I don't think he should. I think no. I think middleweight's perfect for him. His, yeah, his body type fits perfectly into uh, middleweight. I know that he's trying to fight Kevin Lee. Kevin mm-hmm. Lee has a fight now, though, with Sean Brady. Yep. Which that one's gonna be a fun fight to watch. Yeah. Um, if it stays on the feet, I'm not sure if I necessarily want to give Kevin Lee the advantage. Yeah. Um, I think it makes sense to give him the advantage in that fight on the, on the feet. But it's at welterweight. It's gonna be a little different. Um, and Sean Brady. He's got heavy hands, but if he if he gets Kevin Lee down at any point, it's Kevin Lee. It's Sean Brady's fight. Yeah, for sure. And um, <clears throat> but I know that Kevin Lee is one of the guys that I, uh, Kevin Holland wanted to fight. I think what's called with Kevin Lee, uh, Kevin Lee moving up to what's right. I wish he would stay a lightweight. I really do. I think well, lightweight's perfect for him. Uh, and I mean, I know he was pushing for a one sixty five pound division for a long time, but um, I think lightweight's too competitive for him now. Yeah. Um, he tore his ACL in that Charles Oliveira fight. Yeah, and so he's, he, been out he's for a lost long time. Charles Oliveira. He's got a sick uh, ass head tattoo. He lost to Edson Barbosa. Um, no, he beat Edson. He beat Edson. Yeah, he beat oh. Edson. Huh. Yeah, I think after that fight, he fought uh, Rafael dos Anjos, and he lost to him. But that oh, okay, was at welterweight, okay. and Rafael put it on him the entire fight. And um, I think um, I think with Kevin Lee though, it's like I I don't know what he has to do to be more disciplined for 155. But I think that weight class is perfect for him. You know, he's been able to be just to go in there and wrestle some of these guys, take them down, choke them out, and. He whenever he fought Gregor Gillespie, it's like okay, you're like you're training with GSP now. You're training with Faraza Hobby. These uh, and Faraza Hobby is one of the best coaches to ever do it. It's crazy uh, how good of a coach he is, and I, I feel like his names are not really spoken up as much since GSP retired. Um, <coughs> but I I really don't like him going well, up to welterweight just because I feel like he's a small. He's just too small for the class. His brother's in the in MMA now. Yeah, yeah, he knocked that dude cool. out. Yeah, I, for, I, I can't remember his name, but um, but yeah. I think Kevin Lee's on a good track, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like everybody passed him up at this point. It's a little too late. Yeah. And I think that's something he has to think about too, though, is like now, okay, cause he fought Gregor Gillespie and no one wanted to fight Gregor Gillespie. He went out there and knocked out Gregor Gillespie. Now he's fighting Sean Brady. No one wants to fight Sean Brady right yeah. now. And so it's like, okay, Kevin's taking these tough fights. Like I'll give it to him that cause no one else is taking him. So I and feel like there might be something there. He sees that he's like, no, I can definitely beat that guy. I mean, he sees holes, man. Can you imagine? If Sean Brady goes in there and puts Kevin Lee away, uh, no one's gonna want to fight him, man. Yeah, and and he they're not gonna give him a top. I'd say they're not gonna give him a top five guy. I know that for sure. Maybe a top ten. Who's Maybe that? Sean Brady. Sean Brady. Yeah, he'll um, probably get a top ten if he beats Kevin Lee. But I don't. Well, it's Kevin. I don't even think Kevin Lee's even ranked at welterweight. No, he's not. That's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. they'll give him a top ten guy. Um, but if they do, I don't know who's gonna take that. Yeah, because right now at welterweight, like you have so many guys, it's like backed up almost. Even though, even though Kamaru Usman's going and beating these guys, uh, the whole Masvidal thing kind of backed everything up. Yeah, and now that he's not going to be fighting Leon Edwards, it's going to be even more backed up. <coughs> so, and so yeah, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, Diaz's name, Nate Diaz is back in the in the mix. Um, Michael Kies is putting his name in the mix. Kies, yeah, Kies is up there. There's there's a lot of guys that are up there that RDA is still up there. 
Um, so there's there's a lot of guys that I think are up there, but I think most of them, if they take the fight against Sean Brady, that's a huge risk that they don't need. Yeah. So I think and it, because they're going to be t- they're going to be taking a guy who's ranked underneath them, and most guys most of those guys can't afford it. RDA, you got to think this is his last title run. Um, yeah. Well, he wants to. I think he wants to end his career at lightweight. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been a lightweight for a while. He's come for a lot of fights. I know him and Makachev were going to go back and forth, but Makachev is set to, set to fight. He sets to fight Tiago Moises, yeah. in which also it's like he's fighting Balome. I don't think it really does much for him, you know. But um, he, I know he wants to fight RDA. He wants to fight McGregor and stuff. But he took this fight against a lesser ranked opponent, and it's like I get what you're you're saying, active and proving your point. But it's like you're supposed to be better than these guys you're ranked above, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, um, but I don't think anybody right now in the top 10 wants to fight Islam Makachev. They just won't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I think that Tiago Moises has uh, a lot to gain from it because he's looking really good coming into this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he wins it, that's a big deal. Beating, I, th- I think right now just beating any of these um, Eastern European fighters is a big deal because they're bringing so much hype with them. Yeah. Uh, most of them have winning records. Most of them are on winning streaks. So if Tiago Moises wins, that's a big deal because yeah. Islam is one of the best guys coming from there right now. Speaking of those Eastern European guys, man, that uh, that man hit Hasbala, the new goat, <laughs> uh, Mini Khabib. Yeah, Mini Khabib, Khalil. But yeah, he's uh, a baby. Have, have you see, you've seen that stuff though, right? Yeah, yeah, him in versus Abdar. Uh, I can't remember his last name. But that's the fight of the century right there, dude. That's the thriller of Manila. Like it's it's gonna be a big deal in those two fights. That dude, they they were already comparing. Uh, to, I saw somebody compare the uh, the two views. Like whenever Khabib and Connor had their press conference, <laughs> it, like in three years it gained uh, six million views. Oh yeah, and yeah. In, in one week they already have ten million views yeah. for that. And um, the funniest shit, dude, is so funny watching those guys just go back and forth. And because they're one of them, like uh, Hasbala hit Abdar, and fucking uh, Abdar was like, "You hit like a girl." <laughs> He's like he's like that's that's your best shot. He's like he's like you're never gonna beat me, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's such a spectacle. Yeah, it's funny though, man. Um, they get Hornswoggle as the ref, dude. That'd be cool. What's it called? Uh, I would I would I would pay to see that. I, well, even <laughs> if they fight, I'll pay to see that. I want to see these dudes go at it. They hate each other. Like there's some real beef right there. But yeah, man, it's um. It's definitely interesting with what where Kevin Lee's gonna land though. I wish he would, like I said, I wish he would stay at lightweight. I think he will have better success at lightweight, but he does. I don't think he likes cutting weight at all. I, I mean, don't blame him. Yeah, he's a, he's a stocky ass dude. He really is. If you see him, like I mean, uh, I don't know if maybe he just buys his shirts too small or what. But it's like, man, like he's a big guy. But yeah, he's one of those like real wide body guys. He's a, he has a very, very he broad has, shoulders. Yeah, he has almost like a Greco Roman style body, and he yeah. does have a back. He has a background in wrestling as well so it makes sense why he was so good at it but i just feel like the guys at welterweight are just too big for him you know yeah. i mean like even look at look at rda him and rda are kind of the same size and he got completely dominated by rda so it's like what makes you think you're gonna move up to welterweight and do something against sean brady but granted i mean props to him for get, taking fights against guys no one's no one wants to fight yeah and sean brady is one of those guys that he's gonna move up no matter what uh kevin lee needs to move up or else yeah so it's it's a really good matchup um i'm not i don't think kevin lee's back is up against the wall or anything but um mentally i think that he's there 
because he knows like he needs to stay relevant pretty much. And Sean Brady's at a point where no matter what he does, he's going to be relevant because he's bringing, he's just, he's dominating all of his fights. He's undefeated. He's going to come in here and he's going to beat a, a number of guys before he takes his first loss, I think. Yeah. Um, so this matchup with Kevin Lee <clears throat> is one that I kind of, I didn't really expect. So it's very possible this could be his first loss, but if he loses, he's only going to learn a lot more. So, yeah, I mean, you know, from what I, I remember you told me about him and I need to go watch some of his fights to really uh, see him. But uh, I mean, I know you, I know you're a big fan of his. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about randomly the other day was uh, Ally Quinta. Like, I don't know where that guy's been at. He's got a win over Kevin Lee. Yeah, he does. He has two wins over Kevin yeah. Lee. So, two? I didn't know he had two. Yeah, they fought. Uh, I think um, Kevin Lee's first fight in the UFC was against him, and um, both of them went to decision. But it was just um, <clears throat> like Ally Quinta is. A, I really enjoy watching him fight, but he just doesn't really fight. I mean, he's busy being a real estate agent. Up in I New guess Jersey. so. Real and estate must be popping right now. It is. It is over in Long Island. And so, um, what's oh, and I was also kind of trying to figure out what's going on with with um, Zabit. Because he's Mar- yeah he Mar- got removed Mar- from the rankings. Oh yeah, because from being inact- inactive, yeah. And uh, there's a source that knows him pretty well, and they said that um, he just has no motivation. Like he's even thinking about retiring. Dang man. Yeah. And I, I think a big part of that is that people didn't want to take fights against him, and the ones that did were below him. So he was like, okay, well, obviously they want to fight, but I can't do that. So that sucks. Yeah. So. Um, Sucks to see Sabit is a beat not around anymore because I mean I'll, whatever I want to see him fight for the title yeah. just once. Cause Abraham Lincoln, Dagestani Abraham Lincoln, man. Dude, yeah, like he uh, he was supposed to like his. There was a lot of talks about him pretty much being the same exact fighter like Khabib, just better, way, much better stand up. And Khabib even said like he was the next big thing. Like yeah, like, wait till he breaks his. And he is, dude. That guy's fun to watch. Yeah, but nobody wanted to take fights against him. So when he's fighting. He's out there trying to fight these guys, and like I said, only the the people below him are taking the fights, <clears throat> or at least saying they would accept the fight. So, it, it's it's like with Leon Edwards; it's so hard for him to get a fight. Um, it's just really unfortunate. You see him start being inactive; that they start to fizzle out like that. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's just because um, I, I he at one point he wasn't really talked about. Yeah, Rodriguez was ducking him a lot; didn't want to fight him. And putting that fight off, and so <clears throat> even right now, when you look at the featherweight picture, like I really don't know what's next for what. I know we have or uh, Volkanovski defending the belt against Ortega, but you know, you look at guys like Max Holloway. Like, when's he gonna fight again? And who's he gonna fight again? You well, know. Before we move off of the welterweight dis- uh, division, mm-hmm. um, we we're talking about the standings and that. Um, if if Lima keeps ducking Michael Venom Page. Michael Venom Page is starting to talk about moving to the UFC at some point. Right. He said it's inevitable that he's eventually going to move over. When he does, it's going to be at welterweight. So his, I feel like his name's going to automatically be in the top 10. I don't think that he will be ranked in the top 10 until he gets a win. Um, but it, it's, it's not like we've never seen that happen, though. I mean, look at Michael Chandler. Right. Um, when these Bellator guys come over, they and Gilbert Melendez, Ben Henderson, um, when these guys come over, they they get the fights that move them up quick. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think Michael Page is one of those guys that 
the level he shows is top tier level. Uh, Michael Chandler showed he's top tier level, but look what happened when he came to the UFC. Yeah. Uh, it didn't go well for him. Gilbert Melendez as well. He was pretty. He was pretty competitive, but not as competitive as you would hope. I think he went undefeated um, for like thirteen years before. Yeah, and then he came to the UFC, had some trouble. Yeah, uh, Ben Henderson coming from WEC um, looked amazing. Uh, looked amazing when he was in the UFC, and then just couldn't keep it going. Uh, so I think Michael Page, though, I think he can come in, shake things up. I think uh, I think him and Kamar Usman would be a really, really entertaining fight. You think? I want to yeah. see him fight uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That would be fun too. I think that I think that's that's the matchup I want to see if he makes it to the UFC. I don't want to see Stephen Thompson. Get pieced up though. I don't think he gets pieced up. I think he does. I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think he. He's gonna be a very technical match, but a lot of things. That it would. It would absolutely be a technical yeah, match. I think um, the way that Michael Venom Page would have to fight him would play into how Stephen Thompson likes to fight. I don't think so. And um, but yeah, I, that's just. I think that. I mean, I like Michael Venom Page. He's really good, and they keep giving him guys that he's much better than. But the thing is, is no one wants to fight him. Douglas Lima doesn't want to fight him. And Douglas Lima's defending his title in a couple weeks as well, but he doesn't want to give Michael Venom Page that chance to fight him again because he knocked him out, which I get somewhat, but it's also like, hey, man, like, you got to fight he's, these guys. He's, what, 5-0 and now since his loss to Lima? Yeah. yeah. So you're going to have to at some point. You got to defend your belt, dude. Yeah. Um, But him and him and Thompson, Stephen Thompson, I think uh, Stephen Thompson's on the way down. And I, as far as speed goes, Michael Page is so much faster than Stephen Thompson. Yeah. And I know uh, MVP, he's 34. So it's like if he's going to come in the UFC, it's need, it needs to be It needs now. to be pretty soon, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think he should try and push real hard to get that title fight over there at Bellator. And if it yeah. doesn't work out, just say, okay, well, you know, let's, fig- let's figure out a deal to let me go to the UFC. Scott Coker's a really cool dude. He works really well with his fighters. Um, I'm sure he'd be upset to lose Michael Page, but... Um, He's a cool dude. I think he'd he'd make something work. Um, but, yeah, I think if Michael Page fought in the UFC, I don't think a lot of guys in the welterweight division beat him right now. Because um, you look at the top guys that he could get matched up potentially within the year. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think he's a guy who's going to sit on the shelf. Um, no, he's active. He's very active. Yeah. Uh, so if you were to, if he was to move in, in this year, uh, he'd want to get a fight by the end of the year. I would imagine, um, assuming he gets moved over to the UFC quickly enough. Um, <clears throat> I would see him getting matched up with, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be anyone not top five. I don't think, I don't see it being anyone who's not top five. Yeah. So. But we get smalls, but all. Fuck it. I was thinking that, but that wouldn't. That wouldn't go well. I think he. Pe- I think he beats Masvidal. He's way too fast for Masvidal. Masvidal yeah. would never be able to get those shots in, to where he can get that timing figured out. Yeah. Which, when he gets his timing figured out, to the point where he sees those reactions and he sees what combination would end you, I don't think he. I think he's he really. He's one of those guys that's real, real good at looking at footage. Yeah. Um, and his coaching, his team is really good at that and working on it with him. Uh, Michael, but Michael Page is one of those guys that it doesn't matter how much footage you look at. Um, 
it's nothing like being in there with him. Because he's so unorthodox, you don't know what he's going to yeah. do. And that's what, like, I mean, look at the guy when he broke that guy's nose. The guy was, like, was, like, he knew that Michael Vidman Page was going to toy yeah. with him a bit, and so he decided to toy with him back, then he got kicked him right in the nose. And, and it's it's, like, it's the speed that throws people off, I think. Yeah. His speed is ridiculous. Um, with his kicks specifically, with his punches too. Um, but and, and that dude showed he can take people down. So... I think he's a pretty uh, favorable matchup. Michael Venom Page has any of those guys. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> total joke. But yeah, um, people don't really know that. Well, if you're Brendan Shaw, you don't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All you gotta go do is look at Michael Venom Page's highlights. <laughs> yeah, that dude's great. Anywhere the fight goes, um, and that's why I think him and Kamara would be a great matchup. Because if Kamaru takes him down, Michael Page is okay with being fighting off his back. Yeah. Uh, fighting underneath Kamaru is particularly hard. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see that. And I think Kamaru gets Michael Page down. Uh-huh. I think if it goes to the ground, though, uh, Kamaru would win that. Stand up yeah. wise, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to tell. Uh, I don't think Kamaru beats him standing. He's, he's he's obviously got the power advantage. Yeah. But the power doesn't matter if you can never get to the guy. And the way that Kamaru swings with his punches, yeah. he wouldn't get to Michael Page at all. Because that knockout he had over uh, Jorge Masvidal was a great knockout. It, it was. was. Just, by the way, he still throws his hooks like how he used to. They're it's like, not very clean. No. And it's like there's not much technicality behind it. His straight and his jab are phenomenal. Like, yeah. They're good. But the thing is his hooks are just still really kind of – how he used to throw him whenever he was just strictly a wrestler type fighter. And and the the whole time he's going to be trying to land those punches on Michael Page, Michael Page is going to be taking his legs out. Yeah. Um, so he better utilize his wrestling early if he fights Michael Venom Page. Um, other than that, you have like Leon Edwards. Blah Muhammad, I think, should be up there um, if he beats Damian Maya, which is kind of a weird matchup. It is a weird matchup, but I kind of agree with it, though. I feel like that's I, what, I do, too. It's yeah. just it's a weird one because it's like if Damian Maya wins. He's retiring. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if Bilal Muhammad wins, like, oh, okay. So it's one of those where one guy maybe doesn't have a lot to gain, but the other guy, that's a big deal if you beat Damian Maya. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, Damian Maya said that this is his last fight. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's time, you okay. know. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think he's finally just saying, you know what, man, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. And it's like, okay, you know what, dude, like, you've been fighting since like 2007 in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, you fought for the world title. You fought the, for the middleweight world title. You fought for the welterweight world title. And when he fought for the middleweight world title, he was just strictly just submitting guys, you know. Yeah. And so even as a as one a, of the worst uh, fights of all yeah. time, yeah. him and Anderson Silva. Yeah, guys, go check that one out. No, don't go check that. Don't, don't listen. Don't watch that fight. Just um, look up a picture of it, and that's the whole fight. Yeah. Because I'm certain the first picture you'll see is Anderson standing there with his hands on his hips, looking down at Damian Maya, who's laying down and waiting for Anderson to get in his guard, and it's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, I remember watching that fight. Anderson was, like, yelling at him and all pissed yeah. off, and it's like, it takes two to tango, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like you don't get to be mad. Like, he's pulling uh, pulling guard is a move. Like, that's a tactic to pull guard. Like, yeah. if you don't engage – you're part of the problem too. Yeah, and the thing about that it too is like, okay, like you know what he's gonna do, and then it's like, and you're pissed off he won't stand up with you. I mean, fuck. What, yeah, what like you, uh, how many people want to stand up with Anderson Silva? Come yeah. on, man. And it's like you know he's you're better right here, he's better right there. Which one do you think he's gonna go and do? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I remember um, 
what's that? Dana White like berated the shit out yeah. of. Uh, he tossed the belt in the ring. Yeah, didn't he, even give it to him. He told his manager put it on him. Yeah. He put it on him. I'm putting it on him. And so, because uh, that was the first card they ever had in Abu Dhabi. Oh, that's right. Card. And so it was a big deal. And then, of course, they put on the, one of the worst main events. Yeah. And uh, who else fought on that card? That's when Frankie Edgar beat BJ Penn. And, uh, was that the first, first time? The yeah. First time. yeah. And, then, uh, um, um, and then we did it again. I was like, see, guys, I told y'all. What's that? Um, I was re-watching the highlights from the um, Tyson Griffin versus Frankie Edgar fight. Which was Frankie's debut, yeah, and stuff, and going coming into the fight, uh, Tyson Griffin was undefeated, and stuff, and he was it was just a good fight. These guys go back and forth because at the time, like whenever you saw the lightweights, they didn't keep that type of pace, you know, and so it was like, damn, it was just a shift of, um, it was just a shift of um, gears, pretty much, you know. It was it was a good fight, yeah, but Frankie Edgar was kind of a uh, the new breed at the time with uh, fighting. He was uh, came in as a wrestler. Really, really, really worked on his boxing and became a boxer yeah. almost. Um, I think Frankie Edgar was was the man. He was the best lightweight of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, till Khabib. Um, and it's crazy that we say Khabib's greatest lightweight of all time. For me, I mean, it's, it's it makes sense. You, I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, I mean, but I, it's crazy because like he beat. He didn't. I go back and forth with him being the greatest slammer of all time, though. Um, and it's not a knock on him. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I'm a big fan of Khabib. I get so much shit for being a fan of Khabib. You don't go 29-0 for nothing. Exactly. And, um, I, I mean, like, I've always gotten shit for being a fan of his. And people don't like it. But, I mean, dude, the way he beats people is, like, it's, it's fucking so impressive. Like, I became a fan in, in his UFC debut when he was freaking tossing a uh, freaking pedophile dude. Oh, uh, which one? Piece of uh, shit. Oh, Abel Trujillo. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. tossing that guy around doing freaking fucking suplexes three rounds. left and right. Dude, yeah, the suplexes think, is when I saw him doing that, I was like, dude, you just don't see guys do this anymore, no, man. No. And I, be, I was an instant fan. Um, I think in his debut, he beat Kam, uh, Kamal Charlerousse. He knocked him out. That was his debut? That was his I debut. I thought the uh, Trujillo fight was his that debut. That was like a couple. I think it was a couple fights in. Oh, okay. Well, then I was. I watched it. The first time I saw him fight was yeah. Trujillo, so whatever fight was, that was. It was still a big deal, though, because he yeah. broke the record uh, for most takedowns yeah. in the fight. And everyone, I mean, I'll give it to, oh, actually, I'm not even going to give that motherfucker respect. Never mind. Yeah, I don't. was, was going to say, never, <laughs> nah, that dude's a sick fuck. But, um, yeah, man, it was just, uh, but Khabib, like, it's hard for me. I go back and forth on, like, is he the greatest lightweight of all time? Because look at, look at the people Frankie beat. Yeah. Um, BJ Penn. Freaking Sean Shirt, Gray Maynard, Gray Maynard. Like the list of people he beat were like nothing but top tier guys. Yeah. The list of people that uh, Khabib beat, like two of them were top tier guys. Yeah, exactly. Other guys were working their way up. It wasn't until Khabib got the title until he was facing real, real uh, challengers. Yeah. And it's just it's not a knock on the guys that he fought, but it's, it's just that truth, when you're you when know? you're at that level, no one else matters. Yeah. Um, you have to fight people at that level to really uh, solidify what you're doing. Because when you're great, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast several times, when you are great and you go fight people who are not on your level and you dominate them, that's fantastic. That's exactly what you should be doing. But at some point, you got to go fight the guys who are on your level or at least can be competitive to you. Um, And I, I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I think his fight against Dustin Poirier was the first time we saw Khabib feel like he might have been in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, I think Michael Johnson. 
Yeah. Yeah. Michael Johnson was definitely one of those things too. He tagged him clean in that in that first round and Michael Johnson was thrown fucking heavy because he knew what he had to do. And, and but other than that shot, nothing. Yeah. He had nothing. Yeah. Um and could be put him on his on, up against cage, put him on the ground, and that was all there was to it. Uh in his fight against Dustin Poirier, he knew this fight can't go on because I at least and this is my opinion. Yeah. Uh in that fight he had to turn it on. Um, because he was like, like you said with Khabib, he finds your pace and then he multiplies it. Yeah. Um, he never even found Dustin Poirier's pace, uh, because Dustin Poirier's pace is a slow one, Yeah. but it, it's every, there's so much effort in a fight with Dustin Poirier that it doesn't matter what the pace is. Um, the effort is where it's at. You have to fight hard if you're going to fight Dustin Poirier. Um, and I think Khabib figured that out and was like, okay, then I'm just going to go ahead and give it all I got right now. And then made tired out Dustin almost immediately, and then tapped him out. Yeah, it was uh, watching that. It was I, I was frustrated with that fight because I just felt like uh, Dustin never really had a chance to do anything in the sense of like he never had. They never really like helped him like have a fair chance against Khabib. Yeah, you know? everything was kind of stacked against him. Yeah, which is the story of his life. Yeah. Um. So I don't think he really sees it as a big deal. But it's like, yeah, man, if you if that fight was Amer- in America, maybe it would have gone different. Yeah. If that if, if your coaches had more time to be ready for that fight, maybe it would have been different. Like there's so many little things that could have made that fight different, but everything stacked against him and he still put Khabib in trouble with some strikes and then had him in a, a really deep guillotine for a little while. Yeah. Um that was just a very intense fight. Yeah, like in the first round, it was all Khabib, but the second round, like Dustin was landing better shots, but you could yeah. just tell he was exhausted. I mean, yeah. you're fighting at, even though you're fighting at night, it's 100 degree weather still out I there. I wouldn't say that first round was all Khabib. I thought I would it was. say Dustin Poirier looked good, um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say he won it. Um, and I don't think the judges gave it to him either, but yeah. I think he looked good. And I think, um, I think in that fight, that's when Khabib was like, okay cannot stand with him because yeah, he was tagging him up from the outside but yeah. Dustin was getting really really sloppy with his punches he was and he he, and he often does yeah um but Khabib didn't have much of an answer for it other than go for a takedown um and I don't know what the deal is Dustin Poirier has some of the best jiu-jitsu at lightweight yeah and I think he needs to start using that again well I think honestly if I'd, he fights if he fights Connor though, I think we're gonna see it. I hope so. Yeah. But if he fights Oliveira, he's gonna need it. Yeah. Because I if he sticks with his technical striking, him and Oliveira is a great fight stand in the striking aspect, but yeah. if he goes to the ground, it should still be an absolute entertaining chess match. Uh, it's just as technical. It's just as much of a technical matchup on the ground as it is on the feet. But I think with the Michael Chandler fight that Charles Oliveira had, he still showed that he still has a couple holes in his stand up. And when it comes down yeah. to the feet, I think Dustin Poirier has that advantage completely. I um, think uh, I think Michael Chandler's more has more explosive power, more dynamic power yeah. than Dustin Poirier. But Dustin Poirier, once he puts it on you, he really pours it on you. Yeah. So if uh, if at any point he catches Oliveira. He picks his shots better than Chandler. So yeah, if he if he hurts Oliveira, he'll put it away. Yeah. Um so yeah, if it goes to the ground, I think that's exciting too. And I, I hope in the Poirier McGregor rematch, I hope it 
I hope it goes to the ground because I would love to see Dustin Poirier get a good submission win. And Connor, he's um, people kind of under you underestimate his ground game. He has good ground. He's just I just think that he's just kind of abandoned the whole idea of going to the ground. You know. Yeah, um, I think I think his level of ground, his ground game is. Uh, if you get taken down, prevent them from doing anything. And then if you are on top, I don't know. I just don't see Connor. He showed a good ground game when he fought Max Holloway. Yeah. He, he tore sh- his ACL, too, and he took him he, down. He, and he showed good ground game against uh, Chad Mendes, too, off the bottom. He yeah. was able to stop Chad Mendes from doing a whole lot off his back when he was on his back. So, I mean, it's there, but I think Connor's mindset, he's not going to use it. Yeah. Even if he gets taken down, his mindset is lock it down and get back to your feet. So I hope Dustin Poirier can get a submission win. I think that'd be sick. I think that'd be like, okay, I knocked you out and I submitted you. I yeah. mean, you know, and um, go home. Yeah. It's just, and that's what one thing is, is like, I wonder what's next for McGregor if he loses that fight. Cause you know, you really can't say that I uh, like what the definitive answer is. Dustin Poirier beats him again, yeah. you know? Like, even if you want to, it's like, it's still McGregor. He's still good. But I think in that second fight, we saw Dustin took his best shots and he just ate him. I was like, okay. I just think Connor is still too small for lightweight. Um, I mean, he looks better at lightweight than he did. I don't think he'll ever make featherweight again. But I don't either. Lightweight's probably his only option. Because if, if he moves up to welterweight right now, he's just going to get dominated. Yeah. Um, and he's going to get knocked out, especially against freaking Kamaru. Yeah. Um, if he fought Jorge Masvidal, I think that'd be an interesting fight because Masvidal's got the power and he likes to use his timing. But as far as timing and precision goes, I think Connor beats him in that. Connor has the edge in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, I think that's a fun matchup. Uh, you got the Connor McGregor and ADS3 fight mm-hmm. at, at that weight class. So if he wanted to move up, I wouldn't be against it. If he wanted to stay at lightweight, I wouldn't too. be against it. I think um, I don't think De- uh, Nate Diaz plans on cutting back down to 155, though. He said he's like, oh, no. I just want to stay at 170. That's what I'm saying. Uh, if he yeah. wants to move up to welterweight, he, he's got that Nate Diaz you, three you rematch. Remember, you remember when they uh, offered the rubber fight? This is actually right after Connor versus Dustin too. Was uh, they offered Charles Oliveira to fight um, Nate Diaz at 170? And he said, no, I'm just going to get a title shot. And everyone was saying how stupid he was for that. And then, like, a month later, he gets the title shot. Yeah. And so, I guess waiting out worked for him. But, yeah, I remember it was that Chelsea Sonnen was, like, it made, like, 12 videos talking shit about how dumb Charles Oliveira was for doing that. Then he gets he still ends up getting the title shot, and now he is the champion. Yeah, I, w- I won't lie. I didn't think they were going to. And, and they didn't yeah. originally offer him the shot. No. Because um, I think I was one of the people that said, like, I don't know, man, maybe he should take the fight because – they're not going to offer him that. And they didn't. Uh, Dustin Poirier turned it down against Chandler. So, yeah. which I don't blame him. Chandler's not. Yeah. They offered him. That um, he shouldn't be fighting for the title. And Charles Oliveira showed that. Yeah. They, they, they offered him both though. They offered him um, Oliveira versus Poirier or Chandler versus Poirier. And he was like, no, I want to fight McGregor one more time. And so, um, cause I think Dustin deep down knows that he's like, no, I'm the real champion of this division. And he was like, so I'm just going to go yeah. make this money well, and go get that. His, what his words were, uh, if he's going to be the champion, he wants to earn it. He doesn't want to be given it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you weren't going to be given it. Yeah. You'd have to beat, you know, someone, Yeah. but you know, whatever he'll, whatever it, it is, uh, go fight McGregor, get a big payday. Yeah. 
in that trilogy, in he, that rivalry, he and then move on. Like, yeah, he better. <laughs> and so, because uh, if he doesn't, he's gonna look real stupid. Yeah, he's gonna look really bad. He's if gonna he look rich, win. but you know, yeah, I stupid mean, shit, man. Forrest, Forrest Gump was uh, was rich. I just think of Ben Askren. Ben Askren. <laughs> Just getting fucking Walking away after getting knocked out by a YouTuber. I was thinking about that shit today, too. And I was like, man, um, was like, that fucking guy, dude. Oh, you know what? We can talk about that. Speaking about that. What's that? Jake Paul is now signed with Showtime Sports. Yeah. Um, so it's a legitimate boxing uh, promotion. So he, people have said, like, oh, no, he's going to have to fight real boxers now. But I don't know, man. I think, like, what if Showtime I, signed him? Knowing, hey man, he'll bring a ton of money. Let exactly him fight. What let it him was. fight who he wants. It's exactly what it was. They're not gonna. They saw. They saw he's a fucking cash cow right now, yeah. and they're like, yeah, let's sign him. Because I think uh, who's that? Floyd Mayweather has a contract with Showtime, right? Yeah. So it's like there's so many things you can do with them, and so uh, not just like them fighting each other, but just in general, like there's so many fights you can make happen with Jake Paul. But in the, in the boxing community, yeah, there's no respect for Jake Paul. They're no. not gonna pay to want to see that, no. or they're not gonna want to pay to see that. So and is there money there? That's the other question too, though. Is like exactly what you just because said, you look at Triller, it's a bunch of celebrities wanting to go see that. Yeah. So of course there's money in it, but you look at Showtime Sports; these they're not going to freaking go see that. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll probably still get some celebrities on a Jake Paul fight, but uh, not like Triller did. Um, and if Showtime Sports wants to stay a respectable boxing promotion. You do not headline a card with Jake Paul. Yeah, there's, um, was that, and a lot of people are even saying, like, Triller's in the fucking hole right now. Like, Dana White even came out and said, he's like, they're in the yeah. fucking hole right now. Well, he's it's like, because of Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, he's like, they're in the fucking hole. He's like, look at, he's like, they just lost their biggest yeah. star right now. Yeah. He's like, who do they have now? Who are they going to promote they on Triller? Logan Paul. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's that's not even going to work. And he's it's, the least active fighter on their roster, I think. Yeah, he hasn't fought since and he And I say yeah. fighter because I mean fighter, not retired yeah. from another sport. Not a freaking real estate agent who trained boxing, freaking whatever else they have on their roster. Like, as far as actual fighters go, yeah. Which is Logan Paul an actual fighter? I don't know, but he's trying to be, and I'll give him that. He trains at Paulo Costa. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. He he tries. He actually is trying to make a legitimate career out of this, but um, he takes himself too seriously. Yeah, he. Uh, there was a clip posted. He. He met with Gronkowski and he fought a couple uh, NFL players yeah, and that. stuff. And um, everybody was like, "Okay, that's cool. Now spar with a real boxer." And it's like he yeah. does. Like he, he does every day. He does. It was so it's like it's just a fucking. It was literally just for views. Like who gives a yeah. shit? You know, it's just like yeah. At the end of the day, they're YouTubers. They're that's what they know to do. Yeah. To try to generate hype for themselves. You know, it's um, like Ryan Garcia hangs out with them. He's a phenomenal geez. boxer and he gets a bunch of shit for it. But like, look how old he is. He's like 21, 22. Hang out with a bunch of YouTubers, like it's gonna be a thing, you know. It's just like that's how you, uh, that's what like celebrities or YouTubers do is they just post yeah. content and shit. They post TikToks, they post fucking YouTube clips. Like I just, I and and that being said, I don't think, uh, I don't think Showtime Sports would be willing. I don't know. You know what? I take that back. I think Showtime Sports is probably hoping for some Jake Paul antics. Yeah, because they're probably looking at like UFC and they're looking at. Um, Triller and they're like man we need someone to be exciting because <laughs> these boxers don't do jack no they don't give a fuck they're just too busy they're too busy ma- yeah making yeah. money and going like why would I jeopardize this yeah they're like I'm not gonna do Jake that Paul's shit Paul's had the money so he doesn't care 
Yeah. He's going to jeopardize it because he's already got money no matter what he does. he does. He jeopardizes. He don't give a fuck. Yeah. As dumb as it sounds, it's just like he's going to keep making money and people are going to keep buying the bullshit that he sells. child. Yeah. Fucking douchebag. But, um, yeah, man, that's really it with that shit. And what else happened? Um, As far as um, matchups go, we were talking matchups earlier. That's right. Uh, there's a lot of matchups that have been made. Um, and we had mentioned the Sean Brady and Kevin Lee one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Holloway is set to fight Yair Rodriguez. We were talking about Yair really? Rodriguez earlier. Um, that one's going to be real exciting. I don't I don't see that fight being not exciting at any second. I see a one-sided fight. I would agree, and I, I assume you're talking one-sided for Max Holloway. No. I, no? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, <laughs> excuse you. Uh, I, I would agree. Oh, wow. My mic's been pretty far away this whole time. Uh, I would agree, mm-hmm. but Yair is known for just kind of barely being in the fight yeah. and then winning it. Um, that's hard to do against someone like Max Holloway. Who's but, constantly in the fight, and you just yeah. can't really catch him like how you call a Korean zombie. But... Um, we've seen Calvin Cater fight him. Mm-hmm. We've seen what not to do. So is Yair, is Yair Rodriguez smart enough to do that? Cause physically he can go in there and do it, but is he smart enough to go in there and do it? Yeah. I but don't know. Like, I mean, look at the other fighters that he's fought before though. And they're all different styles. When he beat up Jose Aldo, he beat up, um, whenever he fought, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky came out with a great game plan in their first Jose fight. Jose Aldo's got a fight against Pedro Munoz. That's right. Yeah. That'll be a good one. That's going to be a really good one. I think, um, I don't know what to expect out of that one, but back to the whole hallway thing though, is just, I just think, uh, hallway just has a much better fight IQ than him to not let him do that. Um, I agree. Not, and I think that fight IQ is natural for Holloway at this point. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't think, uh, he has to really think about what to do next while he's fighting. Yeah. Um, that's why he doesn't spar anymore in his training because he knows how to fight. That was those were his words. Yeah. Uh, so, him and Yair Rodriguez is a really interesting matchup. I think it's it's kind of like uh, uh, volume puncher versus volume power puncher. Yeah. Um. So I think that's going to be fun. Every second of that fight is going to be fun. That's what's going to be crazy. It's going to be a very exciting fight. I know I said one sided, but it really is because Yair puts on exciting fights against almost anybody. We well, can have a one sided fight that's still exciting. Yeah. Um. I mean, how many times do we see a fight where one it's a unanimous decision in favor of one guy, yeah, uh, but the other guy was there the whole time? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think a fight that we're going to see that's going to be like that, uh, Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that fight. And Sean Strickland's stand-up was looking fucking great his yeah. last fight. So I think that's going to be a fight where it's going to be very exciting, but... Because uh, don't throw their kicks. Yeah. I don't. I don't see that fight. Uh, I think one whoever goes in there and sets the pace, they're gonna win the fight. Because Uriah Hall is susceptible to. I don't know if being complacent is the right way to phrase that, but he goes in there and if he gets set in one way at the beginning of the fight, he kind of sticks with it. He, yeah. He almost has no sense of urgency sometimes. It's like uh, he's stuck in the mud. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Sean Strickland, if he gets overwhelmed, he kind of falls into being overwhelmed the yeah. rest of the fight. Uh, so I think whoever goes out there and 
in a, in a sense takes octagon control first and keeps it not necessarily who takes it first but who keeps it they're gonna win yeah because we saw that with sean strickland's last fight he he took the pace and he ran with it and it was that yeah. pace the whole fight it was his fight 30 27s across all all the boards and whenever uriah hall does that that's when he wins yeah. Um, when he doesn't do that, that's when he loses. Same with Sean Strickland. Yeah, like whenever Uriah Hall lost to Kelvin, Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, oh, that's man, still, he couldn't do anything. It's still the same kind of way to watch to how Uriah Hall loses, though. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah he's been finished. Gegard Musasi finished him, and a couple other guys. I want to say Robert Whitaker finished him. Um, Paulo Costa finished him. And so it's just once they're able to overwhelm him, he just doesn't yeah. really know what to do with that. And Sean Strickland, the way he fought last time, he fought very technical and very overwhelming his last fight. You and know, that's but, what I'm saying. So whoever whoever can go out there and be the aggressor and continuously be the aggressor first, yeah. they're, I feel like they're the one who's going to win. Um, that being said, out of the two, if someone's going to make a come, come from behind win, I think it'd be Uriah Hall mm-hmm. just because of his versatility. Yeah. Um, Sean Strickland's striking is a bit more traditional um, as far as MMA goes. And then Uriah Hall's is wild. Yeah. Uh, his 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 taekwondo is amazing. But, yeah, but that one fight you mentioned, uh, Pedro Munoz versus Jose Aldo. Um, I'm excited for that fight. I am, um, too. I think... Uh, I think it could spell the end for Jose Aldo. If he gets knocked out, yeah. Yeah. And I think there is a good chance he does get knocked out. Not Pedro knocked, he can get capable. knocked out. But he can't get knocked out, but uh, I don't see that one getting finished just because, I mean, unless Pedro Munoz can wear him out. Because I think that's one of always been one of Jose Aldo's problems is his gas tank. Uh, yeah. Once once you saw Aldo came in, you saw his gas tank completely change. He mm-hmm. was never the same fighter. Um, Mark Hominick being the kind of... Uh, the first guy to show that yeah uh he was losing that whole fight but that fifth round he took over yeah and, and that fight was, was almost stopped. Jose Aldo's face yeah in. yeah that fight was almost stopped in the fifth round and then you saw with uh Patorian whenever he fought Patorian Patorian just kind of just ate what he was throwing at yeah. him then as of uh, by the third round Patorian turned it up on him and by the, the fifth round I mean it was like that fight should have been stopped a lot sooner but he um like when we saw um Jose Aldo fight um, who was it? Cheeto Vera, you know, like he, whenever he was piecing him up, he, and that was a good, it was a pretty decent back and forth fight. But Cheeto was just kind of, I guess I, he looked confused a little bit. But then after that, you saw Jose Aldo just ride his back for the entire third round, you know. So it was kind of like okay, like you you got you kind of like coasted this third round. But if somebody like like Jimmy Rivera, I don't like the people that he loses to are really good fighters. Like he yeah. lost to Aljamain Sterling. And Aljamain controlled him the whole fight. I don't think um, Jose Aldo is strong enough to control somebody like Pedro Munoz for three rounds. Definitely not. Pedro Munoz definitely has the power advantage in that fight. And so, I mean, I definitely get the speed advantage of Jose Aldo, but, mm-hmm. I mean, are you going to be able to keep that pace to beat a strong wrestler like him who has knockout power? He's not nearly as methodical as he used to be. He yeah. used to rely heavily on head on leg kicks, uh, setting him up for those later rounds. Yeah. And he doesn't do that anymore. He, that's what I was surprised to see. Because I remember we talked about that. And I was surprised to see him throw leg kicks when he fought Chido Vera. Yeah. He threw a couple, and then, but he never really kept it consistent. He just kind of left it going. But um, I think Pedro Munoz takes that one. But as the time goes on, we'll be able to, I'll be able to like actually be able to study and really pick somebody. But, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff going on right there. So we'll just have to wait and see. But the Bantamweight picture is looking weird like we discussed, too. Um. With Bantamweight, I s- this isn't a matchup that's made. 
but I saw someone put these two together and say, hey, wouldn't this be interesting? Uh, Cody Garbrandt and Sean O'Malley. I, I think it makes sense. Now, the more it's coming together, more is making sense. Yeah, because so. Sean O'Malley needs a top guy. Uh, Cody Garbrandt needs a hyped-up fight that he can win. So I think that I think that's a great matchup. Yeah. Uh, Sean O'Malley likes to take time in between fights. So <laughs> Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. Who's he? Set? He set to fight somebody. Um, Sean O'Malley is. Can't think of it off the back of my head though. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen it. Um, in the PFL, there's a uh, Roy McDonald is set to fake Gleason Tebow, and I think that's a long one coming. I think those two guys. Should have fought a long time ago. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that they did. But uh, I think Rory McDonald is going to whoop Gleason Tebow. He's going to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, he is. And it's, I mean, I don't know. He's just a lot bigger than him. He's a lot stronger than him. He's longer than him, faster he's than him. He's a lot better than him. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm just going to go ahead and just stop naming things and just say he's just better than him. Um, I don't know, man. Gleason Tebow just ain't all he's cracked up to be, I don't think. But well, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, great matchups that are coming up in these uh, from like July to September. You have uh, Paulo Costa, Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, Darren Till, Islam Markashev, and Tiago Moises, which we've already talked about. And then Matush uh, Gam- Gamro and Jeremy Stevens. That'll be a really good one. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. That'll be a really good one. Um, in Bellator, you have Paul Daly and Jason Jackson. That's all that, that one's going to be exciting. That one's going to be freaking nuts. Um, but yeah, as as far as the rest of this year's go year goes, uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about, man. There's just so many fights that are really exciting. Um, they should be really exciting as they unfold. Louis Smoke Smoka. He's fighting Louis Smoka. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right, because I forgot Louis Smoka was going up in weight. Yeah. Uh, well, he's kind of been up some weight, I think. Um, if um, wait, if Sean O'Malley wins weight. that fight, I guess he could match up with Cody Garbrandt. Well, that's what they said, too, is like, you know, when, when Sean O'Malley took the fight, they were kind of like, why is he taking this fight? Like, he needs to start taking these higher-ranked opponents, which I agree. I feel like he should. I think his stand-up is really unorthodox. Nobody can solve that puzzle yet. He's a big, long, skinny dude with power and. Well, we haven't even seen him get taken down before. You know, we, saw, we saw him get taken down once when he, he fucked up his ankle against Andre Sukumtoth. It's it's hard to say. Um, which def, what a ill advised takedown if there ever was one. Yeah, fucking idiot, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I will keep that one short and sweet. But yeah. um, but I think I think it makes sense for him to fight Luis Smolka, uh, regardless of what he says. You just lost a fight, and then you just won a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your last three fights, you're two and one. Yeah, and the guy who beat or, him was um, is right now is, is ranked number fifteen. You know, right now if you look at the top fifteen rankings in the UFC, Sean O'Malley's not even ranked. Yeah, so I, I don't think he should. Nec- I mean, yes, you always want to kind of take someone who's above you because you always want to be able to rise to the challenge and prove your worth. But um, for people to have a problem with him fighting Luis Smolka. I don't get that. Louis Smolk is a big name. Uh, he's been fighting for a while. He's. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Um, I think him and Cody Garbrandt makes is a really fun fight, and I think it does make sense. But 
him and Luis Monk could make they, they make just as much sense to me. Yeah. So that's what I'd see. So what happened with the um, the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight? Um, Deontay Wilder f- utilized his contract to uh, he took it to court and he's forcing the rematch with Tyson Fury so him and Anthony Joshua just kind of get sidelined until he fights Deontay Wilder for a third time um, and uh, as we come to an end for this episode uh, we're going to go ahead and leave the boxing talk for next time because uh, we're actually going to have a friend of ours, Carlos Nava, on. He's going to have his pro boxing debut with LT Great Promotions. So we're, we're excited to talk some boxing with him. Uh, if you guys don't know who he is, uh, you got people in Canada who know who this guy is. Uh, the, we have the Bespoken GTA podcast. They're talking about this guy. Uh, so if you haven't heard about him, you better get on now. Um, we're going to have him on the on the show when we record Sunday. So we'll release it about Monday, Tuesday. Uh, we're going to get a lot of boxing talk in. If you're not in the boxing world right now, uh, now would be a good time to jump in because I think boxing's coming back. Uh, we're going to have Carlos here with us to kind of walk you through it. Yeah, walk you through it. We're going to learn. We'll, we're all going to be able to learn his story. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what this young guy is going to be doing for the sport of boxing. So, so he's 23, making his pro debut. So it's definitely exciting to see. And it's fun to see him come from Pasadena. It's our hometown. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see that a whole lot from Pasadena. No. <laughs> so uh, it'll be really cool to see. I'm excited to see it. Um, so I hope you guys are ready. Yeah, I'm excited to give this guy a voice. So we're gonna definitely tune in. To- All right, we'll see you guys then.